episode of the Habibis Podcast, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Rami Ismail, you're a host for this episode. And I'm Osama Dorias. And I'm Fauzi Mesmar. Happy birthday, Rami. Oh, yes. <laughs> Happy occasions. <laughs> yes. Whew, yeah, it was a birthday. I'm 33 now. Oh, what? I thought like... you were 23. He's catching no, no, up no. with someone. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, I'm like almost half Osama's age now. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost there. He's right. I, up. Am, I, am I close to Fauzi? I don't know if I'm close to Fauzi. I'm close to Fauzi, right? Yeah, you're close. Close. Closing in again. Closing in. <laughs> I love how birthdays work. One right. day we're all going to be the same age, right? That's, that's, a, exactly. that's how it works. It's like a level up curve. <laughs> I mean, technically, the, the ratio between our ages decreases, right? That's true. Normal. As we get. Yeah, as we get older, the the distance between the ages released uh, gets smaller. Yeah, yeah. But Osama's still going to be old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? When I'm in my 90s and you're in your 80s, I don't think it'll matter so much. (laughs) No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. We're going to make for really good old grumpy men. Yeah, Yeah, Osama, are you still checking for your emails? They stopped emailing. (laughs) 2045. <laughs> what do you think is the tech that's going to replace emails in 50 years? Whatever it is. I don't know, but it's going to be terrifying when the, you figure it out. The nanobots and our vaccines or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do for your birthday? Anything fun? Oh, uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, as in I spent most of my week in the UK, in oh. uh, Brighton, where there was a, an, an industry event. Oh, those are and back, it seems. I missed those so much. How was I it? I had been to a Sweden Games conference a few weeks ago. That's right. And that was really small and intimate, and it was it was nice. It was one of those university events, if you remember mm-hmm. them, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's mostly a university, Elements. and then a lot of a lot of industry people that sort of like come around. Hovde, uh, where that event was, is very much a, a place where the industry is like booming. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those. This was Brighton Develop, and. Um, that's a very it's like an old industry event right mm-hmm. like it's like um it's like everybody kind of goes there if you're in the uk you're probably going to go down to to brighton development if you're in biz dev or you're you know running an indie studio or whatever chances are you you're going to want to be there uh so i don't know how many people it were but it, it felt it felt like a actual real games event oh, nice. uh, yeah it was cool i did a panel that was good yeah like a I can't tell how many people it was, but it was definitely it was definitely full. It was a uh, nice. it, it was maybe a thousand people, a thousand wow. like I don't know, like something like it. I don't uh, remember the last time I saw those kind of numbers. I mean, they, right? They're not huge compared to some of the other conferences we've been to, but like for the last two years, that's the biggest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> and I had a panel early in the morning at like uh, nine a.m., and then it turned out to be ten a.m. So that's the first talk in the decade that I was early for. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that was very good. Uh, panel was really fun. Talked about sort of like the future of independent game studios and like how the pandemic affected it and what we see for the future. So that was like a really fun topic to sort of spar with a bunch of peers about. Uh, that was really good. Um, yeah, you know, like I was outside. That was nice. Uh, Brian has a good beach. Uh, so, I, you know, a lot of the events sort of like spilled out onto the beach every now oh, and then. Nice. Good weather. <laughs> no UK weather, but, you know, <laughs> it was an opportunity to be outside. So that a lot of it. A lot of us just made bad decisions because it was the first time you could make those bad decisions again. So I saw a lot of people sort of like stumbling back in the hotel at like 4.30 a.m. Oh, yes. After they'd been like outside somewhere and they're just like walking back in. And you're just like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm glad I don't drink. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing like everybody's little eyes early in the morning and just being like, yep, nope. Okay. Yeah, you had a rough night. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, you know, uh, I think I've talked about this earlier, but it's really sort of incredible how, how transient a lot of the industry is and in that we just sort of like can pick things back up again. Yeah. 
it's uh, it's, it, it's like it's almost like it, uh, it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> things are like no, it back to normal. really felt like it. It really felt like it. You just say like, "Hi, how've things been?" Well, you know, finished this project during the pandemic, and now we're working on that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Exactly. How about you? <laughs> yeah, this and that. Oh, 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 yeah. No, I'm doing this and that, and then you just pick up your friendship where you left it off, and it's <laughs> kind of incredible. Um, it's nice. Yeah. Um, awesome. Had good food. Which is remarkable in the UK because uh, that's not really their their forte. I think um, caught up with lots of old friends uh, that I hadn't spoken to for like years. Uh, did did the finally sort of like the industry like gossip machine is starting to run again? Oh no! <laughs> because you know it, that one kind of like relegated itself to like the uh, you only hear things pretty much directly from the source at least in my case like yeah. you know people would reach out to me and tell what was happening and now it's starting to do the like oh i heard that this and this is a thing <laughs> oh. you didn't get those in your dms <laughs> no normally normally i just get the source right like people yeah. just reach out to me so i get i get mostly get stories directly mm -hmm. right yeah. but this is like now it's like the sort of like the the um, the background radiation is like getting louder again. Mm -hmm. So I can't quite tell if everything that I've heard is true because it's not from the source, but I can tell you that there's a lot of things being said about where the industry might be heading and what's happening and what kind of deals are being made and like, you know, all that. So that was fun. Hmm. Um, I also, I miss those too. But uh, yeah, then again, yeah, I've too. been going to a bunch of like uh, local events, so I've been catching up on these. Yeah. <laughs> <As of late>. uh, <laughs> so that was fun. And then, uh, um, yeah, I was supposed to fly home on Friday, mm -hmm. uh, and then just through a absolutely ridiculous sequence of events, I ended up spending, you know, my time not being on the flight because I missed it. Um, so that was very Arab of me um, and then uh, yeah KLM worked diligently to rebook me for a subsequently later flights <laughs> you're rusty Rami you're forgetting, until, you're forgetting what it's like to catch a plane on time <laughs> <laughs> until eventually I, I got rebooked for the first flight the next morning rushed home so that I could still make it to my flight training because I booked double flight training for my birthday mm -hmm. and then um uh, yeah, I met my new instructor. That was nice. And uh, it was his birthday, too. So oh, that was wow. funny. Well, look at That's that. That's awesome. And, uh, but the weather was bad, so we couldn't actually fly. So we did a bunch of like ground prep and like uh, theory stuff. So that was, uh, it was fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty clear which plane I'll be flying most, I think. So I'm excited for, for that one. It's a, it's a pretty little Cessna and, and 172. Yes, yes, Arab, just the Arab Muslim gets F-16 straight out of the gate. It's just, it's how most flight training, it's how most flight training goes, truly. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a tiny little uh, Cessna. It's the, the Papa Hotel Whiskey Mike uh, Alpha, which is a Cessna 172. It's cute, it's small, uh, but it's, it's a cool airplane. Mm -hmm. um it's a little bit modernized so that's that's also nice um but it's it's gonna be a good trainer it's gonna be fun to fly in uh so i'm excited about that did the flight training uh without flying and then uh went back home and then prepared for family to drop by for my birthday um they brought like a cake with the photo you remember the photo of me with the aviator sunglass and the headset yes yes yeah so they printed that onto a cake <laughs> uh, which meant I had to eat part of my own face, which was a bit weird. <laughs> I was about to ask, did you eat your face? <laughs> yes, I, I, I ate a part of it. Uh, it was a delicious cake. Uh, but then my dad also brought two cakes, and I had also brought two cakes. So oh, there's wow. like five cakes in the fridge right now. You need to give one to the pilot. Uh, right, right, birthday, right, right, right. <laughs> Give him um, one with your face on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not creepy at all. I was like, I really my appreciate you as an my instructor. Face. Here's a cake yeah. with my face on it. That's <laughs> um, perfect. And then I um I have I've upgraded recently to the Switch OLED. I talked about that a few episodes you ago, did. I think. Yes. Yeah, you like it. So I meant, yeah, I did. And then I had a spare switch. Uh-huh. Oh. So oh. I gave that to my dad. Ooh. Oh, who doesn't game yet? That's unexpected. Uh, I thought you gave it to your mom or something. Yeah. No. So, so mom already has one. 
Oh, okay. So uh, that wasn't needed anymore. She played some Animal Crossing, and you know she she nice. enjoyed it, but she got a little overwhelmed by it. Which fair <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but uh, so I got my dad the Switch, and I because I called it a Nintendo, and he's like, I know Nintendo. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I downloaded two games for him. Uh-huh. He really likes racing back in the day, so I downloaded yep. Asphalt Nine. Ooh, that's okay. a good one. That's a good. Book. It's pretty straightforward. It's just basic racing. It has relatively simple controls. So I thought, you know what? Let's let's give that a go. You know, I and worked I suddenly, on Asphalt Six and Seven, huh? I've worked on that series. That was in nineteen eighty four, I think. Before they even made video games, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, Asphalt is such an old series. Yeah. It sort of surprises me every time because it, it kind of came up along with mobile phones, right? Like yeah. uh, yeah, two thousand and. Exactly. 12 2011 maybe yep. i don't know i used to make video games before there were smartphones yep yep <laughs> that's me no i actually i also started because if, if you remember sort of like a, um a ridiculous fishing was when the indie scene sort of like realized like hey maybe we can do these mobile games solid yep. skier and uh, cannibal was sort of like the early the early wave of that but uh, i was i was there before smartphones were a thing you would make games for i <laughs> yep. mean we're obviously ignoring like the G2ME and the Engage era, but I made I made the G2ME game. I made the G2ME was great. <laughs> I made the game in a month um, uh, for the Pizza Factory or something like that. So it was like a pizza place, and they wanted right. to make a game. And right. uh, wow, <laughs> me and two other people made a two G2ME yeah, game. What in did a month. you have? You had like G2ME and then you had Symbian and then yes. you went to like iOS and yeah, exactly. uh, Android. I skipped right. the Symbian era, but I did a G2ME game. Uh, right. It was very limited to say that. Right. <laughs> it was fun though. Yeah. It's a bit game I'm, making. I'm, it's always fun. It's, I'm sorry to say that a lot of like sort of old cracking, software cracking I did was on G2ME. So I'm sorry if I cracked any of your games. <laughs> no, my, my game was a, was a local pizza place game. So okay. probably no. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> what kind of game was it? I'm actually really curious about that. It was, it was a dumb game. It was like um, it was something you were supposed to download and play. Uh, not down, You download through the provider even uh, and play while you wait for your pizza to get ready at the store. Okay. And it's basically like a diner dash kind of thing, which like you get an order, you need to put the ingredients on the pizza in the right order using the number buttons on the, wow. on the device. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Very simple game, but um, hey, it yeah, it's, busy. it was one of those contracts, right? Like we had, right. we were making our actual game, and it's been years since that thing made money, and we're like, <laughs> we'll take any job in the mid in the meantime right. to finance yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I um I gave my dad that switch and I downloaded Asphalt, and then uh, I downloaded one other game. Which you download? Uh, it was a recommendation from uh, from a good friend called um, uh, Fauzi. Ah, I know that guy. I've heard yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, fifty-one board games or something. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh that's yeah. like very early Habibis. <laughs> because uh, my dad was just like, "Is there? Can I play like uh, Tola?" Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm I'm pretty sure there is a Tola game on the Switch. That's so we in, we ended up installing that, mm-hmm. and then just you know played a bunch of games, uh, not Tola, but just sort of like through through the app and sort of taught him how to use the Switch. Yeah. And then there's one game called um, um, Hit or something. Um, it's basically a code cracking game. Mm-hmm. Um, and ah, it's, yeah, it's, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you have yeah. you have uh, you have five, four or five spots to put colored dots, and then it will tell you which one, whether you have how many of them are in the right spot and the right color. Yeah, and how many of them are the right color but not in the right spot. Hmm. Right, uh, it was released as a as a game as a physical game under the name Mastermind, I think. Mm-hmm. It's hit and blow. Uh, is what it's called in the hit and blow. Yeah, hit yeah. and blow. Um, and uh, we just played that, and it was uh, it was <laughs> it was me and my dad and my mom, and um, and you know, the, a they're they're divorced, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen them in the same space all that frequently uh, lately. So it was nice to have them in the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they they everybody that was there just really got into trying to solve this puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> we did so bad. 
We did so incredibly bad. We were like, we, you know, we would be like getting up and like walking to the TV and pointing at the TV and being like, look, this means that and then that. And then at the end, there was this one run where we started with like, we had three white dots, you know, three were in right color, but wrong place. And we yeah. somehow ended up with nothing right. Wow. We're We're just talking Einstein and then just, wrecking, just completely <laughs> messing it up um, and just just laughing fit after laughing fit so that was really that you was make really it more fun. difficult if you allow duplicates of the same color so if you right you can also disable duplicates i think and then that so becomes a much easier game duplicates were off it was just all of us had a different strategy and it meant that ultimately oh, it, okay, it went yeah, really yeah. poorly uh when you said three whites i thought you meant, you meant actually three white pieces no but no three yeah, three uh, yeah. hit yeah, three yeah. hits three but hits. not blows yeah got it. yeah, yeah. um so yeah, it was just one of those one of those evenings where it just like it ended in just like laughter for hours. <laughs> so awesome. that was really good. Um, <laughs> That's, awesome. That's amazing. Happy. So that is now into it. He's playing backgammon. Uh, yeah, no, I send him home with the switch. I added myself as a friend, and uh, I guess it'll get set up, and then uh, maybe we can play some Tableau against each other. Nice. Oh, there's chess <laughs> on that thing as well. Uh, like a chess, bunch of other yeah. games that he probably knows. Yeah, I've been playing through a lot of them, and you're right. There's a lot of games in there. It's good, right? Yeah. No, it's rem- like I je- like when you explain to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds okay. But like, you know, it's it's both an incredible variety of games, but also they explain the games really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, like you have you have Tola, you have Bagaman, but then you also have Bankala. Yeah. And I I'd never played that. Yeah. But after ten minutes, I was like, "Oh, this is <laughs> this is fun." Yeah, um, and it has AI, and it has online multiplayer, yeah. and it has local yeah. multiplayer, and it has but, on the Switch multiplayer. So, like, right? And then uh, fin- finally, understood Shogi. Oh yes, oh. you got you got to play it. I I, I explained it on the podcast terribly. <laughs> right, <laughs> but the way the way the assist helps you understand how it works is incredible. That's true. Because it kind of just shows you like these these squares are under attack. These squares are under attack by you. Kind of like it gives you sort of the the movement space that you have and the movement space that the opponent has. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising how much faster that teaches you how to actually play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I played like five or six games with the assist. Uh, promoted each of my pieces, you know, to see how that all works and how it affects the the board. And then kind of your chess brain can kick back in. Just mm-hmm. with all these additional rules, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and you're just like, oh, okay, I see. Yeah. I'm probably still not good at it, but I mean, but um, it's very deep, and there's a lot more that you can keep track of. But it's still chess, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, awesome. We should you know, play. Uh, yeah, played uh, played uh, the game the the game War, which was really funny because the game also gives you hints on like how to get better. And War is a card game where each player has three face down cards in front of them and they can't know which one they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then both of them pick a card to, to slide forward and then you reveal both cards and the higher card wins. Okay. So, I mean, I've played War before, but I guess the version we played was a very simplified version because it was just, you have your deck and you right. flip you each flip a card and whoever has the highest one wins. So this is like the Texas hold of, of War as far right. as I'm concerned. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but so basically, you still don't know what you're playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, only you have a li- little bit more. You have more of a feeling of agency. Yeah. Right. And then you know, if you if you win, you get both cards. If it's a draw, then the cards stay, and you play cards on top of it, and whoever wins gets the entire stack. So it's it's really straightforward. But the hints were just like you know, uh, don't think, just feel. And then hint number three was like, try to learn from people with a naturally lucky lifestyle. And I'm like. <laughs> These are good tips. I appreciate this. Yeah. Like even the game is like, yeah, you know, like it's a game, it's popular. We don't know y'all. Like just <laughs> do do something, it'll be fine. Yep. Um, so it's just a really charming, really well done sort of collection of games that I just wanna I wanted to echo Fauzi's recommendation because yeah, he's right. This is incredible. I love it. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fozzie's is often right. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So far, it, it's been it's been a hundred percent hit every time he's recommended a thing. Yeah, consistent. yeah, yeah. It's a thing. I um, saw that you were playing a game I recommended the summer. Yes, actually, I finished a game that you recommended. Oh, did you? 
Yes, I finished the Artful Escape. Oh, nice, nice. And, and I absolutely loved it. It Ooh. was not... Okay, so I had played it a little bit before the last podcast, about 45 minutes in. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. I like it. But the game didn't start yet. <laughs> yes. When you told us yeah. and told me where Ronnie, you were, like, yeah. where you were, you'd be like, yeah, okay, we'll wait till next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> both, both, both of us just instantly went like, oh, yes, well... Yes. There's well. a, there's actually a quote from from the game that I wish I remembered exactly right, but I could at, at least tell you what, uh, just of what it was. But it, it it kind of summed up the game for me. Uh, something it, it went something along the lines of uh, creating art isn't creating what people need or want; it's creating what they don't expect, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what this game is. It's yeah. one thing that you don't expect after the other, but it's so beautifully crafted. It's so 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 well done. That I can't help but recommend it as well. I have to throw in my recommendation. I felt good, good Johnny Galvatron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Yeah. It was so so well done, um, and not uh, it, it's not the kind of game I would ever think I'd like. If I'm perfectly honest, it's very very light on mechanics. There's mm-hmm. just very few things that you can do. Many of them felt a little bit superfluous at the beginning. Later on, they felt a little bit better. Like. I, it took me a while before I was like, where I had the, the the feeling. Why do I have a jump? Why why is it yeah. even here? <laughs> yeah. There's no need to jump ever, right? No. I mean, and whenever they 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 put something, it's there just so you can jump over it. There's no other thing you can do. It's just mm. there. But I actually kind of enjoyed jumping instead of just walking. I think the game would have been a lot worse if I just walked to the right. <laughs> As the main mechanic, yeah. giving me that option a little just broke that up a little bit. So it's like, an amazing feeling when you're in the mid jump and you strike yes. the chord and you yes. hit the crescendo kind of thing, right? That, yes, uh, it's a it's a euphoric uh, sensation that the, those mechanics kind of try to convey in some way. Yes, so I actually take that back. I take I take a lot of the things back about the game. I think it really does come together and it work well. There's still a few few small questionable things, but the whole is so worth it. It doesn't really matter. There's not even any point in mentioning it. I really felt like it was a. It was like the game was like whisked to our reality from an alternate universe where PS2 <laughs> games were very artistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, because that's kind of how it feels. Like I think Fozzie and I had discussion about how it, it doesn't feel like they had like a, a like a, a game designer on board for most of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think that's true. This is like purely feelings. Yeah, like everything is feelings. The jump is about feelings. The chords are about feelings. Is yeah, of course. Like it, it's a little dismissive to not call that design uh, because yeah. it is absolutely design. But it's mm-hmm. it's not the way we normally approach game design, which is very solutions focused and very yeah. like this is very much like. We just want to feel things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I described it is that, like, um, this is like you can tell that this is the team that's making a game for the first time to yeah. some yeah. extent, and like you can tell, like, the, uh, what I the, the 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 term I use is like it's not a designer's game per se. Yep. Yeah. Um, in which, like, a designer would be super focused on mechanics and systems and dynamics and that kind of stuff. This is good. Like, I have a, I have a story to tell. And I yeah. have a personal experience that I want to convey in this art form of video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and everything else kind of takes a back seat to it. I, yeah. I hope they keep that because, okay, this happens in music as well. Usually uh, an artist or a group's first solo album, before they, especially if they've never been taught music, especially if they're self-taught, mm-hmm. it has a certain feeling to it. It has a certain like vibe to it because it's rough around the corners. They make a lot of mistakes, but it, it's a unique uh, uh, work of art, right? And that yeah. makes them very popular. And then they learn what they did wrong and they mm-hmm. adjust. And then their future albums are often just, you know, cookie cutter and not special. So I really hope this doesn't happen to their future games. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know that phenomenon yeah. that I'm talking about. I was, right? yeah, yeah, I was, sure. was going to recommend the book, actually, if you're interested to read more about this uh, phenomenon called The Innovator's Dilemma. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book is basically like, you know, explaining how like when you're starting out to create something or build something and you don't have anything to lose other than creating the thing, then you're more likely to go all out, right? Yeah. If that thing becomes successful, then all of a sudden you have expectations to meet. 
Yeah. Stakes, right? Yeah. And stakes. So, like, you know, your next thing has to kind of be like that or better. Um, your audience is now expecting a certain quality, maybe expect certain characteristics mm-hmm. of the thing that you're making. So all of a sudden you're caught in this dilemma. So you start to want to make more stuff to please the people that like your first thing. So you start mm-hmm. to create, you lean towards creating more things that are similar to the things that you've done before. Mm-hmm. And that opens room for somebody else who has nothing to lose to come up and then <laughs> surprise you with something drastically different. And like the, in like, in a in product world, whether it's physical products or games or any kind of entertainment, it's why you see like, you know, a company would more likely would create the same kind of shampoo for yeah. a decade or more until like, you know, this radical company comes out of nowhere and go like, wait, we have nothing to lose. We're going to throw everything into this new type of shampoo and then win that market share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but once they do, they're caught in that same dilemma themselves. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. almost any kind of creative endeavor can fall into this, in which like you kind of become a, a captive of your own success, so to say. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember this a lot from uh, from um, having done ridiculous fishing and super crate box early on during Vlambeer. Yeah. As being like, okay, we really have to like intentionally move away from making more like that. Because otherwise, we're just going to be that studio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rough. Yeah. It, those things are tough. It's a it's a strange thing of being creative on the cutting, like sort of on the cutting side of of, of capitalism, yeah, or commerce, yeah. right? Like you both want to create stuff that is meaningful and purposeful and like that means something to you, but at the same time, you you really don't want to not be able to pay yourself or exactly. lose yeah. the people that already like your work and, yep. mm-hmm. and you have bills yeah. to pay and all kinds of other obligations that you know like yeah. the new find success kind of created right also so at the same time like you know there was a part of you in that creative product that you made right yep. Yep. so trying to steer away from it means to you know that you need to kind of not be yourself in yes. some way and that kind of makes it difficult for you to remain authentic which is also yep. a tricky thing, right? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, it's all complicated. Creativity at large is complicated, but yeah. Um, I think this is why I, think- I like how the book described it as a dilemma. It's not right, like yeah. it's um, you know it's a problem that is not obvious uh, to some people, or like it's a it's a thing right. that you find a solution for. It's a dilemma. You either right. you you do one or the other. Damned if you do it. Damned if you don't. You know, like right, but it's also it's also not necessarily a problem, right? Also correct. It's right. It's 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 a dilemma. It's something that you you might be stuck in, but it's not necessarily an issue either way. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you have to make at some point. Yeah, yeah, you just have to choose something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel like a thing that a lot of people forget to teach when they teach like any creative field is just like the amount of like personal introspection and reflection and like sort of self-awareness that has to go into being a good creative. Yeah. yeah. I focus my teaching a lot on that. So you probably yeah. have seen me reference this topic a lot in how we analyze video games. I also like probably recommended a lot of books on this topic because I'm mm-hmm. genuinely interested. But I also believe that, you know, internal retrospection and like your ability to reflect as a creator eventually, you know, helps you in creating. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think so as well. I think I think there's really no way around it. If you want to be creative, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to reckon with yourself at some point, right? With the good about you, with the bad about you, with who you are and how you think, and yeah. um, you know how you deal with validation, how you deal with stress, how you deal with uh, expectation, how you deal with others, how you deal with um, not having the answers or or uh, regret, uh, responsibility. All of those things they just Lots of feelings. Yeah. It's so hard you know? to be a, a, a game dev. It's so hard to be a creative, <laughs> right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah, but I think we, we you know, like, and, and obviously there's a lot of good teachers who, who do focus on those things too. But I think overall, it's still very, um, it's still very frequently sort of explained as a, as a hard science, mm-hmm. right? Learn how to program, learn how to solve projects, make flowcharts, do... Uh, good edge loops, like whatever, whatever it is, like you know, we we talk about the specifics of the tools and the creation, mm-hmm. and it's really important that we also talk about like the human part of it. And I don't know, like it's getting better over year over year, but yeah, you know, uh, um, uh, Richard Lamarchand just released a book, 
right? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you. I mean, both of you will know Richard Lamarchand. Yes, I haven't read this book but, yet. Right, it's just out. Um, mm. But Richard is an incredible game designer uh, and a teacher uh, who's always been very human centric, very experimental. Uh, one of uh, genuinely like one of the kindest humans in in video games. Uh, just a wonderful human. Uh, and he released a book called A Playful Production Process for Game Designers and Everyone. Oh, yes, I, I ordered um, that. Yeah, I ordered it too. Like the moment it was announced, I was like, yep, no, bought. Because uh, <laughs> not only every time I've had the, the the pleasure and privilege to sit in on one of Rich's classes or to be part of them, uh, but also just in, in talking to the man and like having known him for, for many years, like the way he looks at things is really from a people's first perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like people, people are everything. And, you know, production is such a, especially production is such a numbers game, right? We have like four weeks and, and, and three people available. Like how much can we get done in this? Um, you know, figuring out how to create something while being playful, while being genuine, while being sincere, while being healthy, um i think that's incredibly important so i'm i'm pretty sure this will be one of my must reads for upcoming developers in the future but mm -hmm. i haven't read it yet yeah. i can just already tell you that that's what's going to happen i'm super looking forward to read it as well mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's on my radar as well super happy that uh you like the game or something like i think like oh, i uh, loved it there's a testament to this game is that seems like every time it gets brought up it becomes the conversation starts with the game and then becomes brighter <laughs> or broader around the creative process or like you know creativity finding your own voice and all of that which is the the core of the message of this game and exactly like honestly like i saw a lot of myself in the struggles of this the the the, the protagonist right uh, but, but there were a lot of other little things too, uh, other than just like, you know, seeing yourself in the game. There's a lot of things that it showed that these people had uh, like a, a good budget or something, you know, good backing, but they were raw in their, in their game making. And that kind of thing is beautiful. It reminded me a lot of my, the pitches I get from student projects, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, what, if, yeah. what if these For students sure. had a budget? What would they make? Uh, that, ga that game is definitely one of like it fits in that category what they would pitch early on in in the in our in our programs not later on sadly <laughs> yeah. so maybe we I, need to adjust and you know allow that spark to come to, to, to I persist th i think what the artful escape really did that was impressive to me is i think i've seen this pitch from students myself as well right but yeah i don't think most students would have the confidence to actually pull it through all the way to the end mm -hmm. yeah like the the restraint that that game shows is you know for such a maximized game with so much stuff going on and so much money spent on like visuals like the amount of restraint they have and what they actually created is, is staggering yeah like it would have been so easy to add stuff uh, but instead they they're like sprinkling they're sprinkling unique things every now and then but when they do they have so much impact yeah and it didn't fall into the trap of we spent this much on this. Let's repeat it four times. Either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Incredibly well done. That's awesome. Yeah. They play anything anyway. else, Osama? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I watched a thing. Oh. I watched Dune. Oh, finally! Oh, nice. I still yes. haven't watched it. I haven't no. watched it, Rami. Nope. Okay. So wait, have you read the books, Rami? Do you yeah, know the yeah. story? Okay. Yeah, so, I know the story. So. I could talk about it a little bit without spoiling for anyone who still mm -hmm. wants to watch it, since it's a relatively new movie anyway. Yeah. Um, I actually thought Villeneuve did an incredible job uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's a beautiful movie. Really, really beautiful. Uh, a few people were saying that it was slow and they lost interest. I didn't feel that. I thought it was really incredibly well-paced. It kept my interest throughout. Um, my only uh, gripe with it, is even though I know it, it felt like it was done respectfully, like actually they, they had good intentions, I still am still a little bit sad about the pseudo Arab representation. Um, I felt like the they, they made up languages, and I guess that's okay, but they didn't really sound like they had a people that kind of look Arab. They spoke something very different. They had a culture that was kind of different, um, and a lot of it comes from the books, and a lot of it could have been fixed. Does that make sense? Um, mm -hmm. like I, I would have rather seen Arabs play those parts and like speak mm -hmm. with our, our accents or whatever. It felt like they 
borrowed just enough to make me a little bit uneasy. Uh, but still that they had good intentions. They didn't try to make it a caricature. Does that make sense? It, it sits in this like little, like this midfield. And I don't know, Fauzi, if you felt the same thing, but but I mean, it's totally okay if you didn't. Yeah. I just, no, like, I, I think for me, like, you know, obviously I caught that it's similar, but not there. Yeah. But then I also thought like, they're also, you know, filming Wadiram as if it's another planet. So, yes. so you know, just considering that this is like an entirely different civilization on a different planet in an entirely different world and lore, yeah, makes me feel okay that you know that the you know that they can get inspiration from different sources, and then like you know tweak them to become something else. So like for me, I felt like there's a lot of similarities to Arab culture, yeah. Um, but I didn't see them as Arabs. I saw them as like. Um, an Arab-inspired uh, alien race, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. I do agree. I really do agree. It's it's I, like again, I don't think they did anything wrong. I just felt like ah, oh, you're so like if you just pushed a little bit more, it would have been so much better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I felt like I would have loved to see Arabs in those roles. That's it. Like that. That's really right. my, my gripe is that it yeah. felt like they borrowed a lot, but they gave it to someone else. And that kind I of... mean, what do you mean? There's like white people fighting over an Arab desert full of resources <laughs> that are really important? I don't see any metaphors here. <laughs> so, someone uh, said that it was, that, like, it felt to them like this was Lawrence of Arabia in space. Right. Uh, and I yeah. think that was actually a very good way to summarize the, the little bit of unease I felt. I, yeah. It's not enough for me to tell people not to watch it or to say it's bad. Nothing like that at all. It's just like I, I felt like it, so close. You know, that's that's a feeling right. I had. I'm like, oh, you're you're so close. Just a little bit more would have been much better. Yeah, right. I I would I would agree with that. Yeah. I uh, I think the um, the uh, there was a really good article by somebody named uh, Haris Durani. who wrote an article about the Muslimness of Dune. And I thought that was a really good read. It is also like very long, okay. uh, but it, it's um, fits the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's smart. It has a lot of uh, a lot of references, and it shows kind of like the approach that the the writer of the books, right, Hubert, uh, had about the approach that he took to writing this, uh, and sort of how that shows in uh, the movies. And I think actually the the, the books are despite still having sort of like that problematic like well problematic is a big word but sort of like that that uh unfortunate sort of oh i see what this is a metaphor for mm-hmm. um that it still actually engages with a lot of the themes of being arab or you know muslim it, it engages with those themes at a very genuine and sincere and research level mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how the movie does it because I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm I'm very curious to go in with the perspective of actually being pretty worried about it. Because hmm. uh, I, I love Villeneuve's work and I love the the cinematography of it. Mm-hmm. Usually, right, the colors, the the, the scene setting, uh, but I also feel like Villeneuve mostly the the trick that he uses is he takes books that are not that you can't make movies out of, and then he makes movies out of them that are books. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how good he's going to do that, but I'm I'm very curious to find out. Yeah. I I, I spoke and I touched on that uh, on the podcast before, so I'm not going to say it again. Mm-hmm. But yes, I I I can understand your uh, concern there, Rami. Right. We'll see. Uh, I'm excited to see like pretty things on a screen. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I that I watched was mostly really... it for me this week. So I'm I watched the movie. Fine. Actually, you I wanted to uh, to recommend as well. I watched the French Dispatch. Ooh, oh, okay. Have you guys heard about this? I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, like huge. Right? I'm, yeah, I, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I same. love his movies, and like I think he is very creative individual. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like um, his movies always inspire me. Right. This is no yeah. different. This is a really good Wes Anderson movie. Good. And a you really can tell, good like, like okay. you know, like he gets better with every movie almost. Like this is yeah. not better than the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of the my which favorite. Which was movies. amazing. Yeah, I love that's that. one of my favorite movies. But this is close. Yeah. This is pretty good. And I huh. think, like, without spoiling it, I would say that um, if the Grand Budapest Hotel was a novel, uh, the French Dispatch is a short story collection. Hmm. 
Okay. It's really well made. Uh, incredible cast. You know, like every two seconds you'd be like, oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that person. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like one Academy Award winner after the other uh, <laughs> um, showing up in, in succession. Uh, incredible uh, um, soundtrack and like, you know, the classic Wes Anderson shots and edits and pans. Mm-hmm. And like they, they, he switches styles a lot in that movie. It's like black and white to like black and white with a little bit of color into full color into out of color. His use mm. of cinematography is just uh, on a on a league of its own. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful movie. Recommend it highly. Uh, okay, super artistic. If you like Wes Anderson, this is a no-brainer. If you've never seen a Wes Anderson movie, you totally should this start. Is, yeah, <laughs> this is a no-brainer as well. Uh, this is also a no-brainer, but also no. start with the Grand Budapest Hotel for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't absolutely. think you should start with that one. Uh, no, uh, I disagree. No, no, no. I think it's the best one, but I also don't think you should start with it. Ah, uh, you you make your way up there. <laughs> yeah, you kind of like. I haven't seen the French Dispatch yet, but I, I feel like. I feel like watching the Grand Budapest Hotel with having a bit of, of like Anderson's over in the back of your mind yeah. actually makes it stronger. Yeah, true. Mm. Uh, well, if you just see it as the first thing, you might just spend most of your movie, most, most of me being like, what? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. True. No, yeah. It's still a good movie that way, I think. But, yeah. you know, uh, I, I would absolutely recommend that you kind of get used to what happens. I agree. You know what? That's a good point. It's just kind of get used to his uh, his style. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, really, this guy's so creative. I I love. Yeah. He is. I love. I love his work a lot. His his use of color is unparalleled. Like yeah, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Camera it's movement, incredible. cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. It's, everything. It's everything. 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 He's yeah. a master master of his trade, really. Yeah. Um. Ah, and I played the played a couple of video games. Uh, one oh. of them is a pretty old video game that I played with Osama. Uh, yes yeah, we finally managed to find the time to play some online games and uh, yes, Sam and did. I got to play some Street Fighter Street Fighter 4 Ultra <laughs> to be so this is this is two two people that have both expressed that they're very good at Street Fighter well I never said I was very good at Street Fighter I said I love Street Fighter don't put words in my mouth uh, this is also what I said this is also what I said I also said I used to be no, you, okay you, you, yeah. You both you both understand that in the Arab world that is saying that you're very good at it, right? <laughs> but I actually was pretty good. I used to win um tournaments at Game Law. So I'm I'm game hearing game. some careful like Osama preparing me for the fact that Fauzi won. Fauzi didn't just win, he wiped the floor with me. <laughs> He's really, really good. He's really, really good. Oh, Osama, you're pretty good as well. You you got a couple of rounds there that were like I couldn't do much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I also got a couple of matches too. Just saying, That's I didn't true. only win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I, struck a nerve. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I'll, I'll admit defeat a hundred percent. But come on, yeah. I won a couple of matches. Too. Yeah, yeah, you won so, a couple of matches. That's what I meant. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, yes. Oh, so you were the one that said the fuzzy wiped the floor with you. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did, and he did. <laughs> I, I, I like honestly, his guy like a character in the game not just a generic guy his guy is <laughs> is is really solid and keep in mind that we were both playing with gamepads because yeah. um we didn't like we didn't want to bother going to get our joysticks so uh-huh. maybe every match is in order where we actually have joysticks i would love that ps4 best. controllers yeah. to be exact in which yes. like the wow. triggers are just like crippling me. yes <laughs> my yes. high kick can't connect almost <laughs> always <laughs> <laughs> yes and uh, the same actually i was playing characters where you need to press either all three punches or all three kicks at the same time i was playing zangief and vega and mm-hmm. i couldn't do the all three punches just because of my map uh, config so yeah. i had to use the weaker versions of their of the of the uh, abilities to, that were all three i'm kicks. definitely listening to two arabs talking about a contest they had <laughs> <laughs> both it, of us like i have this disadvantage well i had this disadvantage we well, technically I had, had the same I had disadvantage three buttons i needed to press <laughs> my character <laughs> Very good, very good. It was fun. I'm sad I wasn't there. I would, I would have loved to watch that. (laughs) We'll do more of these probably. The more we'll do more of these. We we need you to to do commentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) Osama is pressing buttons pretty pretty fast. (laughs) (laughs) Because he jumped over the thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so for the record, my Street Fighter knowledge is about like I know the characters and their basic move sets. Good. So that means you can play. Perfect. I uh, I can play. Can I can play. I commentate mean, as well. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can do commentary and it'll be like shoutcast. Yeah. Well, Fozzy was. Which one was Fozzy? Fozzy was the red one, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. So smooth. So smooth. Yeah. So uh, that was a bunch of fun. And I played uh, another old game as well. I um, I played uh, Marvel's The Avengers. Ooh. And Wait, I know you, you're probably saying Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Why don't you play yeah, that? But, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I wanted to play it, but then I saw that The Avengers came out on Game Pass, and I realized that I've never actually played it. Okay. So I started playing it. It's fun. I played, yeah. I don't know, five, six hours of it. It's pretty good. I got to play as the Hulk. And that means like yeah. I can grab somebody and slam them around. Yes. That's always a good time. <laughs> I, I played that game when it came out. And to be honest, uh, like I know it, it came out to mixed reviews. I don't think it deserved the... like. Okay, no. Yeah. Let, let me be fair. The single player mode didn't deserve the hate that it got. I okay. thought it was, a, it was a very good single player mode. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I didn't play multiplayer, so I can't comment on it. And from what I understand, a lot of the negative press it got was from the multiplayer. Uh, but I didn't play it, so I don't have an opinion of that. If if you just want to play it for the single player, I love playing as as Miss Marvel. I actually was super happy that she was there. I think her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not a Pakistani teenage girl, so I can't speak to that experience 100. percent But it <laughs> felt authentic to me with all the parts that that you know that uh, I overlap with, which admittedly are not many. But still, <laughs> I really really liked her being there as a, as a Muslim character. I still remember being a teenager, even though it was a hundred years ago. And uh, I love that, right? I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead, so Rami can't say anything. Joke. I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah, so like, I was like, here uh, comes an opening, here comes a no. He does it himself. Okay. He knows. It's it's better this way. If it comes uh, from me, you know, it feels the wise good. the wise man of the podcast. <laughs> even it. getting ahead of the jokes. I'll I'll own it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sorry, I'll let you speak about it some more. No, I don't no, no, it's all right. I haven't played the multiplayer part, so I don't uh, I haven't seen that yet. I, I, I definitely did see that there's um a little bit of a complicated uh, inventory management system and loot oh, yeah. system. Oh yeah. I, I didn't really get into it much. Right now, I just like I collect the stuff as I'm playing, and I just um, there, the game has a feature in which it will automatically uh, um, equip the best stuff for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny to see that you know some of the equipment that you collect when you're playing as the Hulk. So the, the system still works even if you if you're the Hulk, but the Hulk's only equipment is pants. Really, <laughs> and but you still collect like you know a stronger spine or a better wrist or <laughs> or yep. or stuff like that, and it upgrades. So it kind of, I know why it's there, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny to to, yeah. to see. Yeah. And yeah, like okay. you know, I'm playing the single player campaign, and it you know it feels like you know standard single player stuff with like the combat and like the the, the walking sections, the the conversations, all of that stuff. So like yeah, cool. It's kind of what I expected of the game. Yeah. And then, like at some point, the game opens up, and there's a mission selection screen, and you select squad, and you deploy on an area to start running missions and stuff like that. Um, and I think some of them are single player missions, some of them are multiplayer missions. And I was like, so that's why I stopped. I haven't played more of that, but I was like, okay, what's going on? This is like, <laughs> this is not what I expected. It seems like it's yeah. something different, and I can see why this could be an area where they might get like uh, criticism or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so far, so good. Like you know, from what I wanted out of the game, can I play as the Avengers? The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> can yeah. I fly as Iron Man and like Hulk smash and throw my shield around and that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, is it great graphics, uh, good voice acting, and all of that stuff? Yes. Yes. And there's more to it, it seems. And there's multiplayer. So I'm I'm curious to see. The idea of like playing as a group of four people, and each one of us is a superhero, is kind of neat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so, we'll try it in multiplayer. I've, I didn't jump in because I... I because I did, I, I should have, I should have given it a shot to be honest. But I read some of the commentary, and I'm like, well, that's not my cup of tea. I, I don't, I don't like loop based, only purely like it felt like the 
based on the comments, it's only there so that you could equip loot. And that's not why I play an Avengers game, if that makes sense. There are other yeah. games that I'm totally okay with that. But like you said, I just wanted to try the character's powers. I wanted to play it, like approach it that way. It didn't feel like that's what the multiplayer was set up for. But I mean, since we, it's on Game Pass now, we can play it. We can pick exactly. up a fourth. Yeah. yeah. I played it no, on Game Pass. This podcast is such a Game Pass commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on PS Five if you prefer. That's why oh, I played yeah, it yeah, originally. Yeah. I haven't played yeah. it on Game Pass. Also, I played it when it came out. <laughs> we 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 recommended Switch games. You just we talked about the Switch for like a good uh, ten minutes earlier. Yeah, Ravi. We talked about the Every Kishi episode. Is Get like, off, so, Ravi. Oh, I got the Kishi. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, the Kishi's Kishi. amazing. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. No, it's good. I love it so much. You were right. I thought I, I saw it in the store and I looked at the price and I'm like, this is a tremendous amount of money for yeah. a piece of plastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's good plastic. And then I bought it and I plugged my phone into it and I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. And it, it, it's yeah. so good because, like, you don't need to charge it. It just plugs into your power of your phone yeah. directly. You could plug it into, like, you could plug the, 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 into the wall to charge it while you're playing. Like, it has these little, little quality of life things that are so good that other devices don't. Um, no, it's it's really it's really good. This is the Razer Kishi for people listening. Yeah, uh, which is available for free on Game Pass. No, it, it's not. It's it's what it's a hundred dollars. <laughs> it's free. It took me a sec. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's uh, what a hundred dollars approximately. It, it was a little bit more than that in Canadian, so I don't know if it's right. Canadian it was like 150 so, Canadian, so maybe 125 US. But if you play games on your phone or you want to use it for like Stadia or streaming or whatever, it's it's really, really, really good. The triggers were surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. I was shocked. I was like, "Oh, these feel nice." Oh, the buttons feel good. That. The D pads pretty great. Yeah, you know? yeah, yep, yeah. Just overall, and like it folds up really small. It seems very sturdy. There's not really electricity involved. Nope. Yep. Uh, That's the thing. Great... No charging. No pairing with Bluetooth. Yeah. You just plug it and go. Just, yeah. yeah. You just, can still charge your phone through it, which I thought yeah. was yeah. a very highly appreciated feature for me. A hundred percent faster 100%. charging. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? I thought you you two were just egging me on. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> we want to spare you from carrying your PS5 forever. Uh... <laughs> oh, but I'm still going to carry my PS5. I don't think you like that's not that's not stop. You know how much latency you get on a PS5 from out playing? Yeah. You, you get a bug. Well, okay, so there's an app that you could I have to find the name. I don't remember it. But there was an app that you could get and play remote play on PlayStation 5 where the latency is actually better than the official app. Uh, I tried it. It's not perfect, but it's better. Uh, but with your Kishi, you could just play so many of the Game Pass games that are over cloud just like that. You don't even need oh to install God. them. Yeah. Wait, did I mention Game Pass again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's time to get our first sponsor for the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, for the love of God, no. <laughs> Phil, if you're listening, give us some money. <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> We've earned it already. <laughs> Fancy wants no money. Okay, give me and Osama some money. You can't, you can't sponsor the Habibis. You can't sponsor Habibis, but you can sponsor individual Habibis. That's true. true. Wait, you know what, Rami? I think I'll end up with all the money. You don't even pitch anything, Game Pass. Fair. Fair. We have conflicts in the team already. The minute you mention money, Rami, see what happens. (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be real simple. We're a bunch. Of, we're, we're we're Arabs. When it comes to money, we're just gonna end up splitting it anyway. Yeah. Like, you, like you take well, it. No, no, you take it. <laughs> no, you you take, you take it. It's you talk cool. way more about Game Pass. No, no, no. But you're also on the podcast. Yeah, but Fauzi gets none. Yeah, but Fauzi didn't want any. Right, I don't cool. want any. Maybe, please. Maybe, maybe we can just sneak some money to Fauzi. <laughs> we'll take him out for a restaurant, but then he'll offer put, to pay. <laughs> put it put it in his jacket pocket when he doesn't notice, you know? You've all done that. I've done that. Oh, yeah. like, yeah, somebody oh, else paid for the bill, and I was like, well, while they're away, let me just put the money in their jacket pocket. <laughs> it, was it on um, on our Discord that someone told the story about how uh, so, like their grandfather canceled their father's credit card before going to the restaurant, <laughs> so that, and then let him go try to pay, and it was like, I guess I'll cover it now. <laughs> Wow, amazing! That's like uh, next level Arab. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Speaking of our Discord, Osama. Yes. Do you have uh, uh, one of those uh, like Discord messages, but just go to your inbox instead? 
Yes, I think they're called emails, and I do have one of those. Oh, if you also want to send emails to Osama, you send them to info <laughs> at thehabibis.com. That is info at thehabibis.com. At this point, I feel like we should just have like a mill Osama at thehabibis.com. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. I like yeah, that. Like it's better if you guys don't read them, so you're surprised when I come on and then talk. About I stopped them. reading Habibi's email. <laughs> you were just reading them. Just, I'll leave okay, it to Osama now. I've become the email secretary. I got it. I'll yes. own this. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get started. So curator we have an email. is the word we prefer. Curator. The there you go. Yes. <laughs> um, we have uh, an email from Rachel Cleveland. Uh, she says, "Hi, Habibis. I have a question for all of you. What is your favorite aspect of video game creation as an art form?" and as a way to tell stories. I enjoy a lot of different art forms, like writing, drawing, and I'm curious what drew you to choose video games as the way to share your stories with the world. Mm. So I, I think we need to like define what exactly this means, because favorite aspect of video game creation as an art form, and then the examples uh, that she gave were writing and drawing. So maybe we're talking about like the different art forms that form video games, or maybe and then there's a, a part about how like as a way to tell stories so maybe the the our favorite storytelling vehicle within games or you know the, the, we could, there's many ways we could answer this question mm. i yes i'd address it maybe as um, my what i like about video games from like um, a story delivery um, or like way to tell a story or a narrative maybe philosophical and design point of view rather than just the, the medium itself right yes so like it's like saying 2d is better than 3d and all of that stuff like uh, it's not interesting for me because like no. you know any kind of art is art it's it's not about the shape of it it's um the philosophy of of uh of game design that interests me about game 100%. about games as a medium to deliver a story so for me 100%. i think what what differentiate games from uh, any other medium is like for most mediums you're kind of receiving like if you're watching yeah. a movie or if you're reading a book, then, you know, like the, the, the creator just like, or like you're looking at the painting, then you're just like, you know, receiving what uh, what the creator did with no with not a lot of input of your own. You know, like if you're mm -hmm. watching a series, you're just sitting there and taking the, the input and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe analyzing in your brain. But like there's no direct interaction between you and the medium. You know, mm -hmm. you just get what the medium is telling you and you register it, save it. Um, have quotes of it, disagree with it, etc. But you know, you receive it, and then it becomes in your mind to do what you do with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in games, it kind of like if you stop paying attention, the game will be like, "Yo, <laughs> that thing I taught you five minutes ago. Let's see if you can do it." Oh, you can't, huh? Well, you can, uh, no more game for you. You can't. You kind of like um, it's uh, it's a medium that demands a lot of you. It demands your attention. It demands your focus. It demands you to uh, to take an active part uh, of it. And it also requires your participation. And what's even more exciting for me from a narrative uh, point of view is that your choices affect how the narrative unfolds. So therefore, mm -hmm. there is weight to the decisions that you make in the game. Mm -hmm. So like uh, when, when games give you uh, weighted decisions and those weighted decisions unfold as a narrative and in some games even allows you to create your own unique narrative that is different from every game experience. I think that's a, a very powerful thing that only games can do. And that's very exciting for me. That's why I would choose games to tell stories um, if I'm telling stories because of how unique that experience is. Hmm. Okay. Excellent answer. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. For me, it's never... For me, it's always been working backwards from the answer because I, I didn't really pick video games. Like, they, that's just kind of what happened in my life when I was like six years old and I got fascinated by the fact that you could type things into a computer and then games would change or happen. Uh, so I've just kind of chased that all of my life. I think for me, a lot of game development is less about sort of the the, the exercise of, of communicating and more about like the weird side effects of the inefficiency of communicating the way we do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Because it's like it's kind of a mess. Like we're we're typing code and like creating all this digital stuff to then create feelings and thoughts and like <laughs> intents in the player's mind mm -hmm. uh, that then give them a feeling. Right? We're not giving them feeling. The game isn't giving them feeling. Their brain is giving them feelings. Uh, we're just sort of like nudging their brain in the right direction. But we also have to sort of like 
accept that if we do something really emotional and the player is just tapping spacebar to skip through it real quick, that that's also a valid way of playing the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like you know, like the big dramatic jump from a movie where somebody like runs to the edge and then jumps over in a video game, the player can bunny hop that backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't really make that a dramatic moment because that's just not what we can't control that uh, unless we move to another medium in our work, right? So I don't know. I think it's the inefficiency of the communication that really somehow like uh, appeals to me. Like it's kind of a bad way of doing what we're doing, but it's also the only way of doing what we're doing. <laughs> so we just we just do it. It's funny being described that. that way, <laughs> right? But it, it, I don't know. Like yeah, as I yeah. yeah, as I've been making games, it's sort of been the the conclusion is that we we pick the worst way of doing certain things, but there's no other way of doing specifically the things we want to do yet. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we both jumped on that yet. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, I actually started making games decades before I even considered it as a as a career. I was making games. No, but I, I mean this literally in this case. I know. I know. I know I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm trying. I'm trying to not. I'm not. I, I'm just like zip it around me. Do not. I, just, I set myself I could, up for that one. I'll admit it. Really. I, I could. I really tried. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, I, I've, I've spoken about this before, but I started making games when I was really young. I made board games and card games, and eventually made maps for levels and things like that. And uh, I never, at that, at that point, never considered it a career. I only considered a career in games um, when I was in my late 20s. I actually joined the gaming industry when I was uh, 27, 28, something, something along those lines. And I did so because I saw another Arab become a game designer. And all of a sudden, it clicked in my head that this is a possibility. I've mentioned this before. Why did I make games when I was really young uh, instead of anything else? I actually really loved, really loved uh, making a thing and seeing other people experiment with it and seeing what they're able to do with it. Like basically, I want I wanted to make games so other people could tell their stories in my world, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what like drives me. It's like uh, my favorite games are like I make a thing and then I see how you interpret it. And I feel games lend themselves to that more than any other medium. Uh, all, all art forms do this. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. People will re- watch a, read a book, watch a movie, look at a painting and derive diff- something different from it. But games, they'll experience something different from it completely. Like that is the uniqueness. So it kind of overlaps with what Fozzie was saying. But that's what drove me. So I would make a, a board games and I would make them as systemic as possible to allow people to really have choice and make different decisions. And I, even if it's broken, when I would make those games when I was really, really young, I'd, I love it when someone broke it. Oh, wow, you figured that out. You did this. That's great. Like it's, if someone found a way to speed run through my game, I, I'd still want to fix it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still want to come back and be like, okay, that wasn't unintended, but good on you for doing this. You... You told your own story. You went through your own path. You figured out your own way. And that, like, in my world, I love that. That's oh, that's, that's what awesome. drives me. You get along really well with QA then. Oh, I absolutely really yeah. do. And and speedrunners. And speedrunners, yeah. of course. I, I absolutely, my, one of my favorite things to do is to watch speedrunners play my game and figure it out. and know it more <laughs> intimately better than I do. That's the part that shocks me each time. Like, what do you mean they finished that level in eight minutes? That's that's absolutely impossible. Oh, wow. Okay, you oh, yeah. could run up that wall <laughs> you, and you could, like, trigger that teleport from there? What? <laughs> like, that kind of thing. So, speedrunning is a little bit different because it's not exactly storytelling, but, you know, it still overlaps, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that um, each one of us have a different answer to this question. It's a very good question, by the yeah. way. Thank you for saying Yes, it that's in. an excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's with it. that... I- yeah. I think we're wrapping up the episode for today. I Ooh. think so. I think so too. Wow. It was a oh, good one. Smooth. smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> good. Um, for everybody listening in, do send emails over to Osama at info at <laughs> uh, I the, guess I, the, That's confusing. Now they're going to send it to Osama at info at the Habibis. What? <laughs> we're it's not info get at the Habibis.com. Yes, yes. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, did it say Osama? Yes. I, you, yes. I think oh, send, in, send emails to Osama yes. at Info at the Habibis. Yeah, that's another one bigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Admit it. Admit it. Um, and we will be back next week with another episode. For now, uh, hope you enjoyed it. And salam. Salam.
Salam. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service 